ora e tifana o tūtane, nau mai whakahoki mai ki te kōnai i pūrangi nei, a tūtane, hei tīmatanga kōrero māku, ko apa wātine tōku ingoa, nāku i aumahi mai i konei, ki te kōnai i pūrangi nei, ko tēnei te kaupika tuarua, wāhanga tuawaru. Hello to the Becoming Tāne family, welcome back to the Becoming Tāne podcast. By way of introduction, my name is Apa Wātine. I welcome you to this podcast. This is season two, episode eight. This podcast endeavors to grow great guys. It is my position that guys can learn from guys just like them. Guys that have learned lessons and are willing to share their stories with others. In my opinion, it isn't always easy to share your story. And I have much respect for those that have shared their story on the podcast so far this year. On the podcast today is Wayne Ngaluafe, who works for Brothers United in Auckland. Today he shares his story about his upbringing, living in the Philippines and working with young men. Let me give you some context into how Wayne and I met. I had some trouble trying to find people for the podcast and so I went on to Instagram and did some looking around and found Brothers United. I liked what I saw, I reached out to them. Wayne was keen, I was keen and here we are. So I'm really grateful to Wayne for his time and his willingness to share his story today. As always, let me share Wayne's bio with you today. Wayne was born in Auckland. He's the oldest of seven kids, three boys and four girls. He attended Calston Boys High School and is currently completing an accounting degree at Massey University. Wayne has played NPC Rugby for Auckland and Northland and has played a couple of games for the Auckland Blues as well. He has worked as a community support carer for people with disabilities and is currently working at Brothers United. Finally, Wayne has done a number of voluntary roles at his church where he works with young men. Wayne is married to his wife, Narelle, and they both have four kids. This is Street Talk. The question today is, what is vulnerability? I think it's, it's being true to yourself and not having too many walls or kind of knowing how you're feeling. Not always acting on those feelings, but kind of knowing your feelings and knowing your vulnerabilities as well. So, And being open to feedback and all that kind of thing. Just being sort of left out, um, being you know, feeling this soft and you can't control yourself, you know, like, it's just when when a lot of um, trials and stuff overcome your ability. Vulnerability to me means being unashamed of being yourself, your true self, showing your emotions, being honest and not worrying about what other people are going to say or think because you're showing the true version of yourself. Being emotional, letting it be the forefront of who you are. Vulnerability to me is probably having the courage to be open um, without any wars or barriers. Um, and at the same time, admitting defeat. 
when you're wrong? To me, vulnerability is is showing showing weakness, in particular emotionally. You've heard these guys answer to the question, what is vulnerability? What is your answer to this question? Wayne, I believe we are who we are as a result of our life's experiences. What two events or experiences in your life has had the greatest impact on you? Okay, the, f- the first one, so I was, I was raised a Mormon. So at 19, I got the opportunity to live in the Philippines for two years as a missionary. So um, a lot of my experiences, I, I always draw from that. Um, I'm not the best Mormon, but those experiences I gained in those two years um, have pretty much set me up for life. So uh, I personally think that the more well-traveled you are, or, you know, if you get an opportunity to travel, I always encourage people to travel. Um, you know, there's a beauty in learning someone else's culture, uh, you know, indulging in their food and their language. Um, and you just learn, you know, a lot about yourself. Like I grew to love the people of the Philippines. Um, you know, they play a, you know, that's a massive part of my life. Um, I'm, I'm Tongan, um, but you know, I always I identify as Tongan Filipino. Sometimes I speak Filipino fluently, and I, you know, I picked that up over, you know, over the time I was there. So, yeah, I just think, yeah, that was a big part of my life. It shaped me, uh, you know, massively, and you know, and who I am. I was able to help a lot of people there. Um, you know, make a lot of friends, lifelong friends, and that you know that's put me in good stead and into the work I do today. So, um, which is again, you know, helping helping young men. Um, yeah, so that's what that's one big event, and another event. Yeah, well, just I'd say my 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 work, the work I do, I work with young men, eighteen to twenty four, and I help them get ready for work. So, and a lot of these young men are quite you know unsure of themselves. They lack. Um, direction or motivation um, you know but they all have some really cool stories some real uh, unique stories what we what we do is help them realize you know that the stories they have you know is, is a strength to them they just don't realize it you know I hear all these stories stories of struggles stories of pain from these young brothers you know, and that's a massive you know strength to me and you know it gives, it gives me a lot of strength in what I do so um, yeah and, and that's you know there's experiences I guess a day-to-day for me and that's why I, get, I love what I do because you know I'm constantly learning from these guys I'm constantly you know gaining strength from them you know from the young men that they are so yeah those are probably the two biggest experiences I, I draw from my my missionary experience um, you know as a young man leaving home for two years gaining all that you know that worldly experience and then the work I do um, day-to-day working with um, some young brothers. You mentioned you learnt the Filipino language on your mission. You're a New Zealand-born Tongan. Were you brought up speaking Tongan in your family? The funny thing is, is I can understand better than I can speak. But when I went to the Philippines, I kind of forgot how to speak Tongan. <laughs> I picked up learning how to speak Tagalog, and then yeah, I've, I've forgotten how to speak Tongan. And the funny thing, you know, sometimes I speak to my grandma in Tongan, and I end up speaking Filipino too. It's mixed. She, you know, gives me a funny look. So I, I, I understand better than I speak. Has culture been an important part of your upbringing? Yes and no. Like my, my parents weren't very strict in the, in the, in the Tongan culture uh, as a sense. But yeah, we, you know, we grew up around family. Family's always been big for us. But no, not, we weren't very really like a, a you know, average Tongan family. 
because uh, dad came here, he schooled here, and mum was pretty much raised here. So we went your average, you know, it wasn't a strict Tongan home, but, you know, all the values are there and family, being respectful, um, being respectful to elderly and all that stuff. That All those uh, values were instilled in us, uh, but we weren't, you know, your, um, you know, your everyday Tongan family. In your bio, it identified that you were the eldest of seven kids in your family. Was there lots of responsibility placed on you because you were the eldest? Uh, yes. Yeah, being the eldest of seven, it, it definitely did. It was, yeah, it was more, you know, just trying to be a good example uh, to my young, to my younger siblings. Um, so, yeah, it was, I would say there was a little bit of pressure growing up. <laughs> um, uh, growing up, you know, I was looked at as, in my family, I'm the, I'm the goody good guy in the family. So, and all my younger siblings, um, you know, they probably see themselves as rebels, but they're, they're not, I love them. Um, you know, and I, I just, you know, try to do, you know, do my part in the family, just be a good example to them. That's all, you know, that's all I could really do as, as their older sibling. I wasn't the best older sibling, I guess. I'm not really a, a, a talker or, <laughs> you know, but so it was more for me just trying to show them um, rather than tell them. You said that when you were on your mission, you made some lifelong friends. Were these friends the Filipino people or were they some of the people that you were working with on your mission? Both, yeah. So I still keep in touch, you know, the beauty of technology, I still keep in touch with a lot of families there and a lot of, you know, just you know, people I, I became friends with there. You know, Filipino people, you know, they're similar to us, Pacifica Māori people, you know, real family-orientated, family um, you know, real sociable. Um, so, no, yeah. Uh, a bit of both, a lot of missionaries I worked with, and then, uh, but mostly the families and friends I, I made while I was there. You mentioned that you worked with young men to get them ready for work. What type of work do you do? So I work for an organisation called Brothers United, uh, but before I speak about them, I have to uh, um, give props to Sisters United. So we were an extension of them, but without Sisters United and, and the amazing work they do in communities, especially in South Auckland, and they've just gone uh, throughout New Zealand. And we, we wouldn't be able to, you know, do what we do. We wouldn't be around. So, um, you know, Brothers United, we are a preparation for work program. So, yeah, we get a lot of young guys in and we just help them. Um, a lot of them lack the, the, the basic life skills. Oh, sorry, I wouldn't say lack. They have them. They just don't realize they have them. So it's just transferring the skills they do have um, into skills that are help them get prepared for work or get ready for the workforce. So, 18 to 24 year olds and yeah they come with us for about three to four weeks spend time with them we get to know each one of them and their families their partners and we just work with them get them ready for work uh, whether they need licenses or the skills training we help them access that stuff uh, but we help them with interview skills and you know just communicating if they need help you know with professionals we help you know we help them source that too so and we mentor them too and we support them while they're in work um, for, for about a year when you talk about life skills, what are you talking about? Uh, I guess you know, the basic communication skills, uh, just talking. I feel like um, that's been a big one for a lot of our, our young brothers we've worked with recently. You know, they struggle to talk. I don't know if it's the, the digital age, or, uh, but just talking one-on-one we've noticed. And, you know, we, we, we do a lot of practice uh, with talking one-on-one in class, a lot of interview skill practice, or just talking in general. We'll sit down, have a chat with them. Just so, you know, it becomes normal, you know, you know, a lot of them, they come in with us, you know, they're talking to us, they're like this, or, you know, they're looking away. So just basic, um, you know, like, uh, that's probably one of the biggest life skills we've found is 
just communicating. Um, and yeah, with like we get a bunch of guys that are, that are you know quiet. We're gonna spend a couple of weeks, you know, just practice talking to each other. And we've found that you now that helps. We've had a few brothers, you know, in the third or fourth week, you know, they can sit there comfortably and interview. You know, and I'm sitting in the interview, you know, trying to hold it, you know, trying to hold my tears, like, well, I remember, you know, I remember he wouldn't say a word, and there he is in the interview, you know, sitting, um, you know, expressing himself, saying what he wants to say, um, yeah, and that's you know, that's been pretty, you know, just yeah, pretty cool for us to see that. You mentioned that Brothers United is connected with Sisters United. When did Sisters United start, and when did Brothers United start? So Sisters United has been around for uh, six years in the community. And um, yeah, they, they've been working in high schools. They've got a few programs running. Yeah, we're just an extension of that. Um, what happened was a lot of the girls, our sisters, you know, the ladies we're working with, uh, we're asking our facilitators and managers, do you guys have a Brothers United program? Which we didn't have at the time. And yeah, that's how we came about. We've only been around a year and a half. Yeah, just over a year and a half. Um, and most of our referrals to our program have been relatives from Sisters United, um, so brothers, cousins, family, friends. Um, that's how we've been able to, uh, to get you know uh, most of our referrals or most of our brothers United boys are from the Sisters United girls. Without disclosing the individual's name, would you be able to share one of your success stories of Brothers United? I think one that comes to mind is one of our young fathers. So. 19 year old with two kids, two young daughters. And, you know, he, he came to us, typical, you know, South Auckland kid walking, you know, kind of got a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, he was quite closed off at first. Um, you know, we asked him a few questions, um, asking how can we help? And he didn't really give us much. Uh, but then, you know, throughout the course of the program, um, you know, he, he slowly opened up and then, you know, we, we got to find out he, you know, he, um, wanted to get into security and he's always you know I was like oh what did you get into security he's like oh I just like um you know bodyguard movies I was like that's you know that's cool you know he's transport named these movies transporter the bodyguard all these movies I was like you know that, you know that's awesome that's you know uh, we you know we had a laugh but you know we said look that's you know we can we can make that possible you got to do some security training to help you get your uh, COA certificate and your license and um yeah we'll get you into security work so yeah, now he's currently working uh, as a security guard for um, some Netflix productions. Um, so he's worked on, oh, worked with, um, you know, some Netflix um, series that have come out recently. And, you know, he, he's loving it. He always sends us, you know, pics of, you know, where he's working at the time. And, you know, it's pretty cool. And I just think back to, you know, when he first came in to, you know, to the kind of guy he was until, you know, in a couple of weeks down the track. And, you know, to what he's doing now, you know, he's able to support his family. Um, you know, he's constantly keeping in touch with us. And, you know, that's, yeah, that's a cool success story for us. Um, and he's, the funny thing is, is he's been able to refer a lot of boys to our program. He's always, uh, yeah, awesome. When the guys come in, I ask them, you know, how did you find out about us? He's like, oh, you told us. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So, yeah, that's a cool success story for us. What do you mean by boys having a chip on their shoulder? So we're an MST service provider. Some have to be here or some get told to be, to come to us. And, you know, we can pick those out straight away. Like, you know, from day one, you can tell they don't want to be there or I'd rather be doing something else. I'd rather be at home. I don't need to be here. I don't need any help. And yeah, for us, those are the ones we, we, we really want to work with. You know, we enjoy working with those ones, the more challenging ones. And that, you know, that brings out the best of us. And, you know, and for us, we can really see the change 
it gives us a good indicator of how our program's going when we get a lot of guys like that. Um, but it, it's a chip on their shoulder, but it's more just, you know, they don't really understand who they are. Um, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of other issues that we, we find out during the course of the program. And once we kind of unravel those, it makes it a lot easier for us to work with them. And then you slowly see that chip, you know, get smaller or get, you know, get chipped away and um, they start to open up. What makes them slowly open up? Just time. Like um, for a lot of our young guys, you know, a lot of them we work with grew up with no father around, no good role models. So us and our, the rest of our facilitators, it's just being there for them. And I think the fact that, yeah, we just show we care. Looking back, a lot of the young guys we work with probably have never had anyone that, you know, showed a genuine interest in them or showed that they actually care. You know, and we, you know, we're not afraid to tell them. We tell all the guys, but we love you. We're here for you. Uh, you know, we got your back. And we say that to all the young brothers that come through is the moment you registered with us, we got your back. Uh, we'll do anything we can to help you and then help you get into work and support you. So I think, you know, they, they feel that. Uh, we say it, but, you know, we show it, you know, throughout the, those, those three to four weeks they're with us. How do new guys react to you when you say, I love you, bro. I've got your back. Is it strange for them? I think, like, for us, it's normal. <laughs> like, for myself and the other program facilities, it's normal. But I can see, it's funny you say that, because I've noticed a few boys when I say it, they're like, oh. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, over a period of time, we'll be saying it again, you know, it gets, you know, I can get more used to it. Or, you know, it's, it's not as shocking, like, for the first time. Because we tell them day one. It's like, bro, we, as soon as they come in, we sit down. Usually day one with us is um, sitting down. We just get to know each other. There's no real work. It's just, you know, everyone just trying to get to know each other. And, yeah, we, we tell them day one, the look on their, some of their faces is like, uh, another guy's never said that to me, you know. <laughs> but then I think over the course of the program, they understand, okay, this is what he means. This is what, you know, I get it now. So, yeah, initially it's a shock. Um and uh, you know we can we can see it on their faces, but you know over time when we say it, you know they're like you know they embrace us, you know they get it. <laughs> Here we are having a little laugh about this, but unfortunately this could be one of the first times that some of these guys that you work with hear "I love you" from another man. Yeah, exactly. And and no, no, I totally agree. It's because when we do say, it, and I kind of look around the room and I see. I can see the ones who've heard it before, who understand. And then I see the ones who have been like, you know, they're kind of blank looking at their face like, oh, oh, you know, they're quite unsure of themselves. But, and you know, those are the ones we kind of show more love towards, the ones that kind of, you know. Um, and that's the, the beauty of our program is when guys come in, we just tailor what we, you know, the, our workshops to the group of young men we have. So it's not a set, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Let's come in. Okay, who do we have here? Okay, what does he need? This is what we're going to do. Is how we're going to work with them, and yeah, it's just I think that's the you know the strength of our program is that we actually care for these you know is the the love and the aroha we put behind our work, and I think that's what's made us you know successful the last you know the year and a half we've been in operation. You have been able to place a number of these guys into jobs. How do you go about getting them job opportunities? Yeah, so so that's my my role specifically has changed. So I, I look after the employment side now. So. Um, so I, yeah, I get in touch with employers and I kind of, give, you know, I, I, um, you know, give them a background on the, on the guys we work with. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge is finding the right employers because not everyone gets, you know, gets our, our people, our guys. So it's just finding the, the right employees. Um, and we've been lucky the last year, year and a half, we've been able to find some really awesome ones. 
And then we get some really not so awesome ones where, you know, I just tell the boys, look, if you're not enjoying it, I'll come in, I'll talk to him and I can put, I can put you somewhere else to find another employer for you. Doesn't always work out, but, you know, for the majority, we've met some, you know, really awesome employers. That's awesome that there are so many good employers out there that are willing to take a chance on these guys. let me introduce you to my friend Nikura. Kia ora, my name is Nikura, uh, Nikura Peeni. I come from a little town in the Hauraki called Kitapehi. was raised in Paero and currently living in Mount Monganui. I've got uh, four beautiful children and a beautiful wife that I adore. Nikura, could you tell me about the Kaitiaki project that you set up? Our vision and intention for the Kaitiaki project is to empower our people to reach their true higher self. In order of doing so, us as a collective here at the Kaitiaki project was created to equip our people with the adequate tools to keep them in balance in their everyday life and in our communities. We ensure by creating a safe space, it will give people invitation to start, the, start peeling back the layers and start their healing journey within themselves encouraging our people to create leaders for the betterment of our people of Aotearoa. During the time of COVID-19, we came together as a ropu and created this kaupapa and really go deep within ourselves as to why we are doing this mahi. And we practice this mahi every day and it's very um, important to us that we um, practice what we preach. Nikura, what changes have you seen in yourself? A few changes, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of empowerment. Um, I, I've been engaging with a lot of people that two years ago you wouldn't have seen me engage with those people. It's opened me up to a lot of different healing. And the reason that I feel that um, a lot of our tāne should be coming onto our hikoi because if we don't start now, we know we're going to start. We, we have all these titles on our heads, the provider, the father, the husband. When are we actually going to provide a safe environment for our whānau? So I encourage all of our tāne around the whole of Aotearoa to jump on these kaupapa and just be uncomfortable in it because that's where we find true growth has been in uncomfortable situations. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, our website's just coming out, but it's um, at the Kaitiaki Project, and you will see a lot of um, our facilitators, a lot of our key facilitators, our leaders on that page. At the Kaitiaki Project, we just want you to experience that good medicine. We call this the medicine, is engaging and seeing every other man in that space vulnerable and opening up. Because when in your life do you actually get that safe space to be vulnerable without being judged, without being criticised and just being who you truly are. No mai, whakahoki mai ki te kōna i Welcome back to the Coming Tāne podcast. Wayne. I believe that each of us is born with a superpower. 
I define a superpower as a particular skill, ability or attribute that makes you you. It is your secret source. It is what people remember about you. So with this premise in mind, Wayne, what are your superpowers? I think my superpower is um, connecting with people. I think, yeah, that would be my superpower. I think just connecting with people from, you know, from all walks of life. Um, you know, I've had no trouble, you know, I've always been able to connect with people on some, you know, some, some sort of level. So I think that's my superpower, connecting with uh, people. And that's helped me, you know, in, in my life through work and um, in, in my personal life too, just making good connections or just, you know, relating to others. I think I feel uh, that's you know, or one of my superpowers. Any other superpowers? Um, I'm trying to think. No, no nothing's popping into my head, yeah. This is what your significant other, your wife, told me about your superpowers. There wasn't one specific thing that she could pick, but here are some qualities that make you super in her eyes. One, you're hardworking and you never complain. Two, you're teachable, always willing to learn new things. Three, doesn't care what anyone thinks never cares to fit in or be or do what's cool. Four, humility. You're never too proud and you're slow to anger. And finally, uh, what she wanted me to highlight is your brioche French toast. She also said, personally, my favorite thing is your ability to be a dedicated and hardworking employee, a hands-on father and a great husband all at the same time. What do you think about that, and how does that make you feel? The thing for me, I see that as something I should be doing. Or so I don't see it as a superpower. I just see that as me. That's just what I do. I um, enjoy being a father. Enjoy working hard, providing for my family. Yeah, so I don't really see it as a superpower. <laughs> That's just me. Um, humble. Don't like to not want to blow my own trumpet. But I just yeah, I enjoy working hard. I probably do have a a laser focus you probably say if i want to do something i kind of just tunnel vision and <laughs> work hard to get it done but yeah no no thanks wifey i'll, I'll make you some brioche french toast after this <laughs> you see that you do some of these things because you feel that you should be doing those things anyway but then there are so many men out there that in my opinion know they should be doing some of those things that just don't how come for you you do the should do's. To be honest, I've, it's probably just from my upbringing, from seeing my old man. So everyone that knows me probably thinks that you're just a clone of your dad. <laughs> or, you know? So my dad was very, um, he was quiet, but he he um, he just showed us. So he didn't really tell us much, but he's always, you know, I won't, I won't tell you, but I'll show you. So he just, he did all those things. So for me growing up, I thought it was just normal. So I just do these things naturally. Um, and then my wife thinks it's amazing, <laughs> you, know, but, you know, to me, it's just, you know, it's just a natural thing to do to, you know, uh, work hard, you know, provide for your family, cook. I enjoy cooking. Um, she's like, yeah. I was like, no, I've just, I enjoyed cooking. I, I think I got that when I was in the Philippines, my take my love for food and cuisine I got from there. So I, I enjoy cooking, but yeah, I think it was just, yeah, from, from seeing it as a, as a, as a young kid. Yeah, and it just comes naturally as as I got older. I just eventually, you know, did did what I saw. Did you have a good relationship with your dad? It was it was good 
uh, but it wasn't like a heart to heart. Like we didn't, my dad never told us that he loved us, but we knew. He was, you know, your typical Tomlin, staunch, um, but, you know, very quiet, but he just went about his work. Uh, but, he, you know, we always felt that he loved us. He always, you know, we always knew. But, yeah, it was just, yeah, through his actions more, he, he let us know. I think I had the same experience as you did with my father. My father really told me he loved me, but I undoubtedly knew he loved me because of his actions. So for you... I know you said that your dad showed you he loved you through his actions, but was there anything else he did that showed you that he loved you? Um, other than his actions, he was always there, but I guess, you know, that's an action too. <laughs> you know, when I, I think past the, you know, events growing up, he was always, he was always present. He was always there. So, and he's always there now. Yeah, other than his actions, like he didn't, he didn't really say, so. I think that, that, yeah, that's probably one of my challenges as a father now is to make sure I tell my kids, you know, <laughs> I tell my kids I love them. But no, to be honest, I can't really think of a time um, where it wasn't through. He was always just through his actions kind of guy. Yeah. I know for myself on this topic of telling our kids I love you, I overcompensate in this area because of my experience with my dad growing up. I tell my kids I love them every day and sometimes I tell them multiple times a day to the point where my baby says to me, yes, Papa, I know you love me. Is that similar for you? Yeah, that's definitely similar. So, um, I t- yeah, I tell them and I, and I try, I try. I, I think I, I do, I could tell them more. I'm not going to lie. I could tell them more. But it's, yeah, more just like my dad, I always show them too. So always try, you know, make time for them. You know, just do little things. Like I remember my dad doing chuck a ball around. <laughs> You know, to you know, to I guess to a dad, it's you know, it's nothing. But we you know when you're a kid, you I've always remembered my dad chucking the ball around with me or playing handball, little things like that. I always just try to think of the little things. If I learn from that, I know they're going to remember that because it's you know they don't remember the big birthday parties or you know whatever all that stuff. It's always just, you know, as a kid, I always had you know memories of these little things I did with my dad. So it's just helping you know create those little memories with them. Um, now and yeah, telling them I love them, I, I definitely overcompensate for when I was younger. <laughs> Kia ora everyone again, just reminding everyone about our t shirts that's for sale. You can purchase one of our two tiny t shirts by going to our website. Our website is www b-e-c-o-m-i-n-g-t-a-n-e dot m-e-n and go to the merchandise tab and click under there there are a number of t-shirts as i mentioned previously there are seven designs each of those seven designs come in three colors that is black white and gray our t-shirts come in a number of sizes ranging from extra small all the way through to triple xl in my opinion, there are some cool designs on there. First one I'd like to tell you about is our logo tee, which just has Becoming Tane on it uh, with the logo on there. Uh, we have the Two Tane tee, which is the translation of Becoming Tane. Growing Great Guys tee. We have the G3 tee. And finally, our three other tees, that being Courage Over Comfort, Progression Over Perfection, and My Future Over My Past. If you're interested in purchasing any one of those t-shirts, go to the website, go to the merchandise tab, and you can go through there to find 
little t-shirts. So again, thank you for those that have already purchased the t-shirt and I look forward to seeing many more go out. Welcome back to the Becoming Tane podcast. My guest today is Wayne Ngaluafe. Wayne, I believe that life is our greatest teacher. So for you, Wayne, what has life taught you so far? I think um, the greatest lesson life's taught me is to surround yourself with good people. I think when I look back at my life on times where life wasn't so easy, I, w- I look around at the people surrounding me at that time and, you know, I didn't have good, good support or, you know, um, I didn't have the people around me that I should have at that time. So um, if there's one thing, you know, life's definitely taught me is to always, you know, have, have good people around, around you. You know, if you've got good people around you, good things happen. So, um, you know, I've noticed that today. Um, you know, my life at the moment is, you know, I've, I've got some awesome people around me, got a great team in my personal life, people around me, and also in my work life too, have some awesome people around me. That just, I guess, you know, that makes my life feel that much better. You feel awesome when you have awesome people around you. Just on that, who have been some of the people who you've surrounded yourself with that have helped you get to where you are today? Um, family. Um, but, you know, and saying that, not all family. <laughs> you know, you get along with family that, you know, that adds value to your life, I think. Yeah, and a lot of friends, friends that add value to your life. Yeah, in, in my circle at the moment, all my, my the people around me, you know, they've all, we all contribute to each other. And I think that's really important, you know, if you've got people in your circle that contribute to your life and you contribute to theirs, um, then I think you're in good stead. Um, yeah, looking back, I've noticed, you know, when you, my group of friends in the past or people I used to hang out with, they didn't really contribute anything to me. So I've become stagnant or, you know, I didn't really like where I was. So, um, you know, at the moment, I've got awesome people around me. We all kind of add value to each other. And I think, you know, that's, you know, that's really cool. For me, personally, no, it wasn't too bad because they'll always be there. They'll always be a friend or, you know, they'll always be part of, uh, I guess your bigger circle, but you know your immediate circle closer. You mentioned that you had a couple of mates that you used to hang around with. They weren't the best. Was it difficult for you to remove yourself from them? Um, not not too much. So no, it hasn't been a, a big challenge. It's just I guess you know you spend less time with them. I uh, keep up keep in touch regularly, but you're not as you know involved as as much as you were before. I guess. If the listeners of the podcast were to take one message from our quarter or today, what would you hope that they took away with them? I think this message would be to young brothers, only because I work with young brothers. But um, you know, find find something you love, find something you love, you know, and, and pursue that, and then surround yourself with people you love. Yeah, just speaking from experience, but also speaking from the experiences of the young ones I work with. Um, yeah, so yeah, find something you love or something you're really passionate about, something you love and enjoy. And when you've found that, pursue that. And then, you know, surround yourself with the people you love. And I'm pretty sure, you know, it'll be smooth sailing from there. Well, I would hope so. Finally, the name of the podcast is called Becoming Tani. It is named Tani because this word can be translated in English to mean man, male, or husband. It is also named after one of our atua, Tane Mahuta, because of his desire to learn and grow. So my last question is, what do you think it means 
to become a man? I think for, for myself, probably a couple of things. Personally, I think, you know, um, I think my ideas of a man have changed <laughs> over the years. I think when I was young, you know, when, you know, it was to be a man, you had to be tough. You know, you've got to do things a certain way, da, da, da. But, you know, as I grew older, you know, I found that, you know, for me, being a man is, you know, being happy, being, you know, being content, you know, taking care of your circle, your family, your friends, but just, just being a good person. I think, um, that's, to be honest, that's my view on, you know, becoming Tane is, you know, just being a good, you know, being a good person, being a good human being, um, you know, if I, and I've realized that over the years, um, you know, if you're a good person, you know, good things happen to you and happen, you know, and it happens to those, um, around you too. So yeah, that's for me personally is, you know, just being, you know, being a good person and that it comes with being loyal, you know, being honest, all those, all those little things make up that. So I think, yeah, for me, becoming Tano, becoming a man is being a good human being. No, th- thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, I love love what you're doing. I love the conversations you're having. I think it's important. Uh, and no, I'll, I'll definitely share this with the, the young brothers I work with. Um, no, but it's awesome we have you know someone in the space addressing you know these these issues, and it's nice awesome to talk about it. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you, Kilda Wayne. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your corridor and some of your ideas that you shared with us today. Hey, fakakapi kōnai pūrangi, he mihi kia koutou, ngā kai whaka oko, uh, kei te pūrangi au i ako koutou mai te kōruro o waini tēnei rā. To wrap up the podcast, I'd like to acknowledge you, the listeners. I hope you learned from Wayne's story today. Please share, like and subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it and let them know where they can listen to it. Tell them they can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. I can be contacted by email or on Facebook and Instagram. My email is becomingtane at gmail.com. Our Facebook and Instagram handle is at becomingtane and our website is www.becomingtane.men. Finally, to finish up the episode today, I'd like to give some respect to Wayne for sharing your corridor with us, to Cardinal Sadler for your music for the podcast, Aaron and Merrick Moike for your editing skills, and to my wife and family uh, for loving me. I love you. Hey, Atera Wiki, until next week. Haere tu atu, hoki tu mai. Go well and return in good health. Mauri ora.